we will sing hallelujah in this next song or hallelujah if you will drop the h simply brings praise and adoration to our god on high so sing this with me joining with the ancient song and the song that all creation 
boast of his majesty and his glory. And as we sung to God the Father, and as we sing, worthy is the lamb, speaking of Christ, of course, we recognize the Holy Spirit, right? And so this triune God that we worship and um, kind of steps right into this next song, which might be new to some of you, um, but it just, it, it talks of this, this song that creation would sing if it had the words to sing, that it would just bring all magnificence and glory to Christ. And then in our own lives as, as humans, Christ is most magnified on the altar of our lives. And so as we sing this song, I, I do believe that you'll, that you'll catch on quickly here is how the chorus goes. Christ be magnified, let his praise arise. Christ be magnified in me. And oh, Christ be magnified from the altar of my life. Christ be magnified in me.
fair warning, this next part, we call it the bridge in musical terms. It's long. There's a lot of words, but the, the melody repeats itself, so I don't think you'll have a hard time following along. But it makes a lot of declarations. You know, I won't bow to idols. I'll stand strong and worship you. And I just want to point out, I know this is awkward to stop in the middle of a song, but I felt led to do it anyway. When we declare this, it's okay if you maybe like don't feel that, right? Do you know what I'm saying? Like sometimes we have to sing so that our heart can catch up to it. And so as you listen, hopefully, and you'll, you'll catch on to it. So we're listening to this body of Christ declaring these things. May you be encouraged. And may your prayer be that you won't bow to idols. May your prayer be that you won't be formed by your feelings, but that we're formed by the truth of the word of God. I'm gonna keep playing. I couldn't play while I talked, but here's how, here's how the bridge goes. No, I won't bow to idols. I'll stand strong and worship you. If it puts me in the fire, I'll rejoice cause you're there too. I won't be formed by feelings. I'll hold fast to what is true. And if the cross brings transformation, I'll be crucified with you. Cause death is just a doorway into resurrection life. And if I join you in your suffering, then I'll join you when you rise. When you
Jesse, we can kill the keys track if you want. Nobody's gonna want me to play with that. <laughs> so okay, there we go. Yeah. All right. Hey, you know what? I I think it was just in my ears. We're good. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah, God bless technology, right? <laughs> it's a good thing. His name can still be praised despite our flaws, right? Amen. Let's sing back to the psalm I read this morning about his praise ever being on our lips in his sanctuary. Your praise will ever be on my lips ever be on my lips your praise will ever be
know that's somewhat of a monotonous prayer, but God, I have to believe that you are okay with monotony. We read that your that your angels sing over and over, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is is full of your glory. And God, maybe that's been sung to you a million times or 20 million times and it will continue to be sung. And, and if that is true, may our lips just ever praise you with the same words. God, may our, may our life, may our action, may our speech, our conduct all just point to you and your glory and may Christ be magnified in everything that we say and everything that we do. God, we want to please you. We ask that you would um, be with the needs in our congregation. Lord, they are many. And uh, we ask for comfort. We ask for healing. Um, we ask that um, your presence is, is more aware. God, we know you are with us. Help us be more aware. God, we love you. And we want to leave this place changed because of the fact that we have encountered you here. And so I pray that as Pastor Brian comes and brings the word that you have laid on his heart, God, we would have open ears, open minds, open hearts to the way that you want to speak through your servant, Lord. We love you, and we just want our lives to show that. Amen. So do you know someone who likes to talk? Husbands, be careful. <laughs> just kidding. Years ago, uh, I used to hate to talk. That might surprise some of you, but growing up, I think I've shared before, I, I had a stutter when I was a kid and then even in my teenage and young adult life. And because of that, I was very guarded with my words because I never knew what word I would get hung up on would cause me to start stuttering. And it got to a point where it was embarrassing and I just tried to avoid opportunities where I had to talk. Or if I didn't need to talk, I'd try to kind of stay in those environments. And of course, once in a while, you kind of put yourself where you have to. We, we had a job interview or a project at school. So there were words I, I taught myself to avoid. But then, <clears throat> excuse me, when Amy and I accepted our call in the ministry, God, God did something to me, touched me, and, and helped me with that stutter to where I don't, don't do that as often. There's still times where it creeps in and it kind of helps keep me accountable to him and keep me in line with what he wants me to do. And he created a monster, because now I do like to talk, and my wife's thinking, well, he's the one who likes to talk in our, in our relationship. Well, sometimes, not always. My, our daughter came up and visited yesterday, and we were out celebrating a birthday, and uh, Maya, who just turned nine, wanted to ride with her sister back home, and of course, her sister said, sure, it'd be a good time to spend together, and we got back to the house, and our older daughter said, she didn't stop talking the entire drive, Okay. Maybe you live with someone like that. I, I don't know. I don't need to know. But we like to use words. We are people that express and communicate and share life with words. And today we're going to talk about the words that we use and the power that they have. And just kind of a little bit of a reminder, we're in the midst of this conversation we're having about resetting as we enter into, the, into this new year, 2023, and we began with God resetting our hearts, getting our hearts back in alignment with who he is and who he wants us to be. Last week, we talked about resetting our minds, and we, we shared out of Mark chapter 5, and we read this story in Mark chapter 5 about a man who was described in Scripture as a madman. He was tormented. He was possessed. He, his, his thoughts, his thinking were, were not his own, and because of that, uh, he could not be controlled. He lived a life out of control and away from people until Jesus came and healed him. 
and reset his mind, reset the thoughts that filled his mind that he allowed into his life. And after this incredibly transformative moment, uh, this man who was once mad is now sitting at Jesus' feet, listening to Jesus teach, and wants to go with Jesus. And Jesus says, no, I want you to stay here, and I want you to share your story. I want you to talk about what it is that I've done for you. Well, very quickly, the town in which this man lived near, who knew him very well, sees a change in him. And then they hear his story. Scripture tells us he became the talk of the town. He became uh, the, 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 the town story, if you will. And I don't know about you, but um, when we use that phrase today to be the talk of the town, it's either for really exciting and good reasons, or if you're the talk of the town, it could be for not so good reasons. In this case, Jesus has been working in someone's life, and he was a talk of the town for a good reason. And over our first seven months here as, as in, in Marysville with you, uh, we, we've met a lot of people. We've met our neighbors, and we've met people at school and, and at the soccer fields. And as we get to know one another, they ask us, why did you come to Marysville? And I share with them, I'm the pastor of the Marysville Nazarene Church. And their response to that often is, oh, I know where that is. It's, it's kind of a vanilla response. Stay with me. And vanilla's good. Vanilla tastes good. I like vanilla. But if I have my choice, I'd rather have chocolate what i'd rather have that that's just me personally but but vanilla can be okay like if you go to mcdonald's you can't get chocolate ice cream i don't know why they haven't done that yet but they haven't done that yet but you can get vanilla with hot fudge yeah a little hot fudge to it you can get it with caramel it's pretty good if you're like my wife you want a little bit of extra whipped cream on there and to really top it off we want a cherry on the top see vanilla can be okay if there's enough other stuff with it but what I've experienced so far, and maybe I haven't been here long enough, or I'm still getting to know the community, still getting to know the church, is that I want us to be more than vanilla. It's good. It's flavorful. We have an okay reputation, but I, I want people to hear. I want to be the talk of the town for the right reasons. Because of what Jesus is doing, for what he, is continue, what he has done in our lives, I, I want the response to be favorable. I want it to be hot fudge with all the toppings. Not for our building, or even our pastor, or your pastor, or our staff. Not even for a ministry. But instead, for resetting, for, for acknowledging the resetting that Jesus wants to do in our lives and in the lives of those in our community. Sharing with them a real hope that brings change and transformation. It's in the reset life that we find our stories that we are to, that Jesus instructed the man, man, madman to go and tell. We're to let them know what Jesus is doing, what he has done. And often we, we hesitate because we don't want to relive the past or, or, or dredge up those, those painful moments. But it's in those moments that people see the power that we understand and experience and know to be real. So the reset lives want to be with Jesus, yes. But the reset life also goes and tells others how Jesus has changed them. So the words that we use... They're the words that give description to this change. We began this conversation, and, and I hope you understand it's been very linear. It's been progressive. There's different places I'd like to have started. But in this, we have to start with our hearts. Our hearts then have control over what we allow into our minds, into the thoughts that we think. And now the, the heart and our mind now, or now out of that comes our voice. And to reset, to restore something to its original design, to set something back to its original purpose, to reset our voice. We were given a voice 
as we just finished doing, to praise, to worship, to tell of the, of the good news, to tell of the good things that God does in our lives. What does it look like? Or in this case, sound like? For our voices, for the words that we choose to speak, to be reset for the glory of God. And just like last week, as we talked about the, the, our minds and things that we think, we, we could go in a lot of different directions. And the same is true this morning. And, and I wish I had time to talk about all of them, because I, I, I certainly could. There, there's a lot of words we could fill with those stories. But we're going to keep it pretty content, con- condensed and, and tight today. Because I think God's already at work, already kind of reminding you some things that you've said, or things that have been said to you, the power, the impact that it's had, maybe the change that he would like us to make this morning. I think too often we don't pause, reflect upon the impact our words have. In our house, sarcasm is like a second language that we speak. At times it's funny, but there's also a point in time we have to recognize you can go too far, where it can become negative. Uh, One of my kids doesn't receive it very well. It's not a language that she likes to engage in. She takes it a little bit too literal. We have to recognize that. Our words have power, the power of life, and the power of death. We read that in Proverbs 18, 21. The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Encouragement often, though, comes from these same spoken words. So does discouragement. Proverbs 12, verse 18. Reckless words pierce like a sword. Speak life is to be a person who encourages, who lifts others up, and speaks blessing to others through what we say. And I love what Solomon wrote in Proverbs 18. From the fruit of their mouth, a, a person's stomach is filled. With the harvest of their lips, they're satisfied. The tongue has a power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. This passage refers figuratively to the fruit of the mouth, the harvest that our mouths produce. We produce what satisfies us. Can we pause here for a moment? That, that's pretty significant. The fruit of our mouths, the words that we speak, we speak them because they satisfy us. Reflect on that for a moment. What words do you speak? You speak encouragement? You speak words that uplift others? Do you you speak life into the life of others? Because those words are what it is that we desire. Or do we speak discouragement? We slander Do we lie? Do we tear others down? Because those words then also reflect a different kind of harvest that our lives desire. What is it that satisfies us? You see, the harvest of our words, they either can bring life or death. They bring blessings or they bring curses. And I'm not going to go too deep into that because that's not our conversation for today, but I believe in the power of the spoken word. As Amy was sharing with us since we were worshiping, declare it. What is it that your life declares? Who is it that means something to you? What is it that you're all about? What is it you're pursuing? Our words speak to that. Dig a little bit into Matthew chapter 12 in just a few moments. But before we get there, we have to understand, Solomon understands this. Proverbs 10 verse 19, he says, too much talk leads to sin. This is funny coming from a man like Solomon who had a lot of wives. He would have understood this can joke about that but he's right too much talk leads us astray 
too much, too much aimless talk, talk without direction. We can talk about the weather. We can talk about sports. We can talk about those things that interest us. We can talk about fashion, or we can talk about even others. If we're not careful before too long, even our talk represents what it is in our side of our lives that satisfy us. Score of a game, or a bright sunny day, things that are not inconsequential but really don't matter. The greater scheme of the spiritual life that we're speaking of today. See, our words have consequences. When a witness testifies in court, his or her words decide perhaps the fate of a defendant. Words can affect the emotional and the spiritual health of someone we care about. Words can destroy marriages and friendships, churches and ministries. Careless words are often tossed about without us even thinking about it. But words can also be positive. But the words themselves, they aren't necessarily positive or negative. They're a reflection of, rather, a heart that is. Too much talk leads to sin, as Solomon writes. We've all been impacted or hurt or wounded by negative words. I just want to touch on this for just a few moments, and we could talk about negative words for a long time, but some of you are still carrying the baggage of the negative words spoken into your life. Uh, that comes out in the idea of complaining. We see problems instead of possibilities, and when we do that, we complain. We see obstacles instead of opportunities. We complain about it. You might complain about other people's driving. (laughs) They're never as good as we are, right? We're we're the best drivers in the world to gather in this room, right? We're we're never one's mistake. I gotta be honest, this week I wasn't one of those drivers. We've all been in that situation where someone's cut you off or they're going too slow, or they don't use their, their, their blinker. This week I pulled up to a stop sign, and I came home a different way than I normally do. And the way I normally come home, there's all these four-way stops. And I came up this different street, I came to a stop sign, and it wasn't a four-way stop. But in my mind it was, and I just pulled out. I'm sure I was called some really nice words, and I'm glad he didn't know at that point that I was a pastor of the Nazarene Church in Marysville. Because <laughs> then we'd be the talk of the town for a different reason. <laughs> so I was that guy getting honked at being called an idiot. <laughs> what were they thinking? And all the moment, I'm thanking God for grace in that moment. It's another way that we can use our words. Praise him and thank him. We can criti- complain about others and we can criticize others. Criticism comes when we don't understand grace, where criticism comes from. We forget the depths of our own sin, our own faults, our own shortcomings. And when we criticize, we show that we don't understand the breadth of God's grace and why he came. Easier for us to look at others and complain and criticize. And then, of course, we can lie. Lying, you really dig deep enough, we get to the point where lying is a trust issue. We don't trust God, we don't trust someone else, and we ultimately uh, make up a story to make ourselves look better or to cover up a wrong or, or something that we've fallen short in, and it traps us, leads us to bondage, where truth brings freedom, lying brings captivity, all because of the words that we might choose to use then there's gossiping well if you get really get down to it here's what gossip's all about i am strong because they are weak i look better when they don't i can talk about them because that's not me where the gospel instead proclaims i am weak because he is strong and we we can guise it we can cover it up we can even disguise it in this idea of well, I'm, I'm talking about them because you need to know because I really am concerned for them. Well, I'm so concerned. I don't need to share all the details. 
I share the details because I want to, in some small way, lift myself up. And I'll just stop there because that's a whole other sermon in of itself. Again, as long as we put God bless their heart at the end of it, that, that might make it okay. Again, the power of words. Some of us today have had negative words spoken into your life. It hurts. It's hard. But the power of an encouraging word at times is immeasurable. An encouraging word can just light up someone's life. It can change someone's life. It can save someone's life. Words can inspire, they can, they can excite, they can motivate, they can love, and they can comfort. And I'm glad that we also, while we have the testimonies of hurtful words, we also have the stories of positive words, each and every one of us here today. They don't always last as long as we would like. They don't always stick with us the way that the hurtful moments do. So today we're going to be reminded of the good news but also we're going to look inside and ask ourselves, what is it that's coming out? What in our lives needs to be reset? And you may still be back to week one where you're still wor working through this heart reset, and that's okay too. And, and then this conversation also lends itself to being open to this idea of, of resetting of our minds and our thinking. See, all of these things work together. Because we're not one person with, with three different parts. We're one person, and out of us comes this different expression of what's important to us, what satisfies us, as Scripture tells us. See, what Jesus does, he gets to the heart of the matter. And he reveals to us, reminds us, if you will, in his word, Matthew chapter 12, where we'll be going here in just a few moments, that our words originate from our hearts. And this is why we started there a couple weeks ago. Because out of our hearts, our, our thinking is shaped or the things that happen to us is molded and put in the right places in our heads where we use them later. And then out of our thinking and our thoughts, our words are marinated. When the right time comes for us to open our mouths, or the inopportune times when we open our mouths, what's inside eventually does come out. Matthew chapter 12, a little bit of context. Jesus has been teaching and he, he's got this mixed audience. He's got his disciples with him. And, but also around them are some Pharisees, some religious leaders. And Jesus recognizes who's in the crowd. But it, he doesn't change his message. His message is for all of us. Because very easily we can become the Pharisees if we're not careful. So, so the, the message is for all those who are willing to listen and to hear it. And, and Jesus begins talking. And, and in this moment, they're, they're, it's the Sabbath Sunday, and they're walking through a field. His disciples are hungry, and they start picking heads of grain off the, 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 the stalks of wheat as they're walking. And the Pharisees are kind of watching, and they're following Jesus. They're waiting for him to mess up. They think, oh, we've got him. Look what his disciples are doing. It's a Sabbath, and they're working. What they described as work. And Jesus starts to, to, he knows what's going on, and they're criticizing Jesus. And he says, look, look what your disciples are doing. It's unlawful. You're breaking the spiritual laws. Jesus kind of shakes his head. He says, don't, don't you understand what the word of God says? I mean, wouldn't you take care of your animals? Wouldn't you take care of everything else? Why wouldn't we take care of ourselves? Keeps going, goes to the synagogue, and there's a man there who's got a shriveled hand, and Jesus reaches out and heals him. <gasps> he's working on the Sabbath. What's he doing? Now he's healing someone. You can't, what, what, what? that should be a great, that should have been a praiseworthy moment. But Jesus is recognizing what's in their hearts, and it's starting to come out. 
then the Pharisees get to the point where he must be demon-possessed. He must have this, this demon in him because he's doing all of these unlawful things. Jesus quickly corrects them on that. And he gets to the point later on, <laughs> verse 33, make a tree good, and its fruit will be good. Or make a tree bad, and its fruit will be bad. For a true is, tree is recognized by its fruit. Basically, he's asking, what fruit are your lives producing? What's on the inside eventually comes out. What fruit is on the inside eventually comes out. What seeds are on the inside eventually is what dictates the fruit that's produced. And in verse 34, you brood of vipers. Now, if he wasn't on their good side before, he's definitely not now. You brood of vipers. Listen to yourselves. Go look in the mirror. How can you who are evil, you ever thought for a moment what you thought about Pharisees? There you got it. You who are evil, now again, not just talking to the Pharisees, he's talking to everybody, because we are on our own evil. We, we need Jesus to come in and to purify us of, of ourselves. You who are evil, how can you say anything good? How can we say anything good? On our own, we can't. See, good is defined by God's standards, not our own, not this world's. When, when Jesus says, how can you say anything good, he's really digging a little bit deeper. Then he says, for out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. On the inside, comes out. We have to watch what it is that we say. We, we can hear it. We can, we can listen. It, it's, a, it's a measurable. It's a reflection of what's on the inside. Verse 35, the good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him. The evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. But I tell you that men will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every careless word they've spoken. Every careless word we have spoken. Can we think about that for a moment? If we're not careful. That could bring this despair and hopelessness over us. Can't, can we be honest for a moment? Can't, right? Out of the good in us comes out. Well, whatever's on the inside comes out. Verse 36, but I tell you that men will have to give an account. We're going to have to give an explanation. And when we stand before God, in that moment, no matter how much we like to talk, I firmly believe we'll be speechless. And that's when we're going to need Jesus to step in. Aren't you glad for that? That's the whole point of what we're getting at. That's, that's the good news. That's, that's what we need to be talking about. That Jesus steps into our hopelessness. And he becomes our voice. Verse 37, for by your words you will be acquitted. And by your words you'll be condemned. The good news is we get to choose. See, from, from the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Now, when we talk about overflowing, there's a couple different directions we could go, right? We've all had that overflowing toilet in our house. It just makes you cringe. Because you know what's in there? Okay, it's just, yeah, we get it. Okay, it's not sin, it's gross. And then it comes out. And it's not just now the toilet is dirty, now the floor is dirty, and everything else is touching, and it's like, oh, this is just awful. That's what God's talking about. Out of the overflow of our mouths, it touches other things. 
then there's a different type of overflow. You ever been to a wedding or a party? They have these fountains. And out of the top flows this chocolate. Oh, yeah. I saw one even better the other day. I have not experienced this yet, but I can't wait for the day. It wasn't chocolate. It was sausage gravy. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Now we're talking. Coming out of the top of this fountain. You take your biscuit. You just stick it under there. Just belly up to the table there where the fountain's sitting. I'll be happy. That's a good type of overflow. We can see the difference between the two examples, can't we? And (laughs) are you the toilet or are you the gravy? It's kind of funny, but not really. Because we know, don't we? We know. We see the fruit of our lives. We know what comes out. We might be careful with our words and we might be selective with who we share them with, but we know if there's things coming out of our mouths that shouldn't be. We also know if there's good fruit coming out. And often we're careful with those words as well. Not everybody's even aware of them, but we know. Even right now, I believe God is faithful and you know. In this scripture, we see this powerful progression. When we trust God with, with our hearts, that then the truth then comes into us. It shapes our thinking. And when, when God, who has control of our hearts, shapes our thinking, what comes out has to be honorable to him. That's just how it works. And when that happens, we start talking about the subjects of the moment that are going on in our lives, such as food and clothing and sports and everything else of insignificance. And we start thinking about those things of eternal consequence. Now, I don't want to be overly spiritual in this, but spiritual conversations should be happening in our lives on a regular basis. We're spiritual people. And when that happens, we start talking less about hopeless situations that we're facing, and we start talking more about the one who gives us hope. We talk less about fads and what's trending, and more about the one who was the same yesterday, today, and forever, who doesn't change. Less about our stress, the things that worry us, more about the one who we lean into, where Scripture tells us his yoke is easy and his burden is light. It's not that these moments in our lives aren't still significant or have an impact on us. They do. That we think more of the one who's with us in the midst of those circumstances. Our faith in him becomes something that's lived out, not just talked about. We fill our minds with his word. He guards our thinking. When he guards our thinking, then that shows that our reset hearts become visible to others. See, at its core, God desires that we become people who, when we, who see an opportunity to speak truth into the lives of others, and we, we grab a hold of it before it's gone. You ever had a regret when God opened the door for you to speak into someone's life, and let's be honest, we just didn't do it? I have. And later on, as I've kind of gotten away from the situation. God's spoken to me. He says, boy, you had a moment there. Missed it. Oh, Lord, I'll never do it again until it happens again. See, when Jesus was walking the earth, now it's easy, Jesus, he was, was God himself. So, of course, he would get all these moments right. But he did what he did, and he said what he said so that we could pay attention. 
that we would recognize that, that we would be able to do the same thing. Jesus tells his disciples in Scripture, says, As I, you will do even greater things than these, he tells his disciples. So why do we read God's word and think, well, I could never do that? What Jesus said we should do, he did it first. What he said we should say, he, he said himself first. He spoke truth, he spoke love, he spoke kindness and forgiveness and restoration, healing, peace and hope. He spoke these things into existence. To the winds and the waves in the midst of the storm, he said, be still. To Lazarus, he said, come forth and brought life. To Nicodemus, he spoke, uh, he spoke about salvation, saying you must be born again. To the wise young ruler, he spoke love. Love your neighbor as yourselves. To the man with the withered hand, he spoke healing. To his disciples, he spoke peace. Do not let your hearts be troubled. While the world has much trouble, I have overcome the world. Jesus speaks these things to us so that we could look at them as, as the truth that they are. And to us, he speaks hope. He says, I will come for you. Take heart. I will come again. I'm coming back. I'll send a counselor to take care of you. You don't have to do this all on your own. Example after example of Jesus speaking truth and peace and love. And we are to receive that. And we are then to go and do the same. See, once we've allowed Jesus to reset our heart and mind, we shouldn't be surprised when we're given the opportunity to speak up for God. It's going to happen. That, that, that's, one, again, one of those linear progressive things. That it's going to happen. That is the next step. But for many... You're always going to get my, my honest expression. For many, it's where we take a step back. We, we, God moves in our hearts, and we, we, we get this transformation piece right. We want it. God begins to alter our thinking, and, and we, we, we see where he's going with this, and we like it, and we want it. But then comes the moment where we have to speak up. I'm like, oh, wait a minute. God, when it's just me and you, that's one thing. But when I have to then talk to others about what you've done, that, that changes it a little bit. That's a tough truth to share, church. But can I ask the question, when was the last time you talked to someone who didn't know Jesus about Jesus? When was the last time? When was the last time you talked to someone who didn't know Jesus? Maybe that's part of our problem is our circles have gotten too small and too tight. And we don't find where we don't look for the opportunities. The madman went and told and became the talk of the town. We don't look for that. I think too often we misunderstand. Because each of us have people in our lives who at one point or other have shared, well, I feel worthless. Or I don't know why God made me. Or no one cares. Or I hate my life. And in those moments, we have a golden opportunity to speak life into someone. Or, or life is overwhelming, or I'm just really stressed out, or I just have no peace. Well, let me talk to you about the one who brings us peace. Or I just can't change. I'm just stuck in these habits. I wish I could break them. Well, let me talk to you about the one who transforms our hearts. And it's not that we're giving out scripture verses, and we're talking about here, hey, in this passage, we're not doing an exegesis, or we're talking about doctrine and theology. All Jesus wants us to do in those moments that he's ordained, that he's brought into our lives, is to just share our stories. Let me tell you about the time that I struggled with that. We all like to talk about ourselves. This is a great time to do it. But in so doing, we're also talking about Jesus. Look what he's done for me. 
in those moments when we share our story, we become conveyors of the good news. We become those who bring hope to the hopeless or freedom to the captives. We, we, we help others find sight, find uh, those that are oppressed. We, we help them find freedom. We, we, we can speak healing into someone's life. We speak life into a hopeless world. It's the last time you gave a testimony where you testified to God's goodness. Let me testify to one today. Thank God for protecting my son. He's Seth. I didn't think he'd be here today, so he, I wrote this in. He's going to be embarrassed. I'm sorry, Seth. Friday on his way home. Friday evening, got a little, little icy out, got a little slick. He was coming home Friday evening, and the way he tells it, he started spinning on Route 36 between here and Delaware, and he spun about three times, three and a half times, maybe more than that, we don't know. Just, and he'd be, never left the road. And I mean spun. The car was doing, he says, these loop, these loop things. And he ended up in the other lane facing the direction he's supposed to face. Cars coming both directions, wasn't hit. And we laugh about it, because it's kind of funny to hear him talk about it. But I thank God. Can I testify to that today? And I don't know what God does in those moments where there is an accident. I, I can't reconcile that today. I, under, I understand those are more difficult things to explain, and I can't do that. But I can give God praise and, and glory for what he did Friday. And I do that today. Because it could have been different. We read in Revelation chapter 12, verse 11. It's one of my favorite verses. They triumphed over him, Satan, by the blood of the Lamb, that's where it starts, and by the word of their testimony. There's a lot that goes on in between, but that's the bookend of triumph. That's the bookend of victory. That's the bookend of how we overcome what we face in this world. That's the bookend of all the things that we see, all of the destruction, all of the darkness in this world. The triumph comes with the blood of Jesus Christ and our testimony of, of his working in our lives. That's where victory comes. You feel like you're in a losing battle right now. That's where it starts. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. We don't love our lives, we love Jesus, and we let him figure out what happens in between. There's nothing riskier than letting Jesus control our words. <laughs> There's also nothing more satisfying than using our words to bring him glory. Psalm 71, verses 15 and 16, David writes, My mouth will tell of your righteous deeds, of your saving acts all day long. Though I know not how to relate to them all. We may not understand it all, but I'm going to share them all. I will come and proclaim your mighty acts, sovereign Lord. I will proclaim your righteous deeds, yours alone, all day long. I get it. I understand. I've been where you're at. It's just not a young person thing that we hesitate. It's not a middle-aged, it's not an old person thing. There's going to be every generation that we're in, every part of our lives, no matter what station or circumstance we're facing right now, we're going to hesitate because we're afraid of what the world might think. We're afraid of how they might respond. We're afraid of what they might say. We're afraid they might laugh. We're afraid they might reject us. I get it. But I'd rather be rejected by the world than be rejected by Jesus. What's in here is what comes out. Spoken word is all throughout Scripture. All the way back to Genesis, God spoke creation into existence. God spoke to Adam when he sinned, says, You're going, you and Eve are going to have to leave the garden. Those are words of condemnation. They, they, they got it wrong. But he also in that spoke words of hope. 
that he promised that, that Jesus was going to come and bring restoration. God spoke to Noah, I'm about to bring destruction, but I'm going to save you and your family. God spoke to Abraham, I want you to get up and go to a land I'm going to show you. Leave everything that you know, everything that you put your trust in, everything that you depend upon, I'm going to, I'm going to take you somewhere else. Abraham did it. God spoke to David. David was a man after God's own heart. Started in here. What was in here came out. But even David messed up from time to time and God forgave. God spoke to the prophets through Isaiah. Who shall I send? Isaiah says, send me. God's still speaking to his people yet today. He spoke to Mary and Joseph. I'm going I'm to change that your upcoming marriage in a way that you could have never imagined. And it's going to disrupt your life. It's going to be inconvenient. It's going to change the world. And through Jesus, God continues to speak to us. Maybe in your Bible you see the red letters, the words of Jesus himself. He's still speaking. And many of us need to stop. Some of us even, maybe we need to start because we have a story to tell. See, God's placed people in our circles of influence for a reason. Those circumstances you've gone through have been really painful. I'm not saying that God caused them, but God wants to use them. And glory can come out of them. He's going to send you friends. He's going to send you coworkers. He's going to send you classmates that are going to be going through some really tough times. And maybe you've been there. And the words you share can help them discover who Jesus is. His grace and his love, the peace that he brings, the joy that comes knowing who he is. I wonder who in your family or your circle or your workplace or school or your neighborhood might need encouraged today, might need a bit of good news, might need to know that they're not alone, might need a little bit of hope. Sometimes you see it, sometimes you've heard about it, sometimes it's silent and you have to depend upon the Holy Spirit to prompt you, but guess what he does? It's hard to go say something that the Holy Spirit's prompted you to say when you have really no reason or context which to say it. When you walk with him, when you know him, you hear him. Then our job then is to be obedient. Because out of a reset heart comes reset thinking. Out of reset thinking comes reset words. He's resetting our voice today for his glory. But my prayer is that we watch what we say. Not that we say less, maybe we need to say more, but the words that we say would be fruitful. All words are. Are our words for ourselves or are they for him? I want to invite you to stand and I'm going to just, just pray a blessing over you and us today that God would empower us as we go to be life givers, to be encouragers, to share good words. May our voice tell others about our Jesus. Let's pray together. Father, as Scripture tells us, how long we tell of your righteous deeds, Lord, of your saving acts all day long. God, I pray, I want this church, your people, to become the talk of the town for the right reasons. The talk of the town, Lord, because we are proclaiming who you are. We are letting them know of your mighty acts. We're letting them know of your faithfulness. We're letting them know of the grace that that you offer to us. We're letting them know of of the hope that you provide, that there is light willing to be shining out in the midst of darkness, that, Lord, they too can experience what we have found to be true. May our words point people to you.
And I pray, I pray, God, we'd learn to talk more about you than we do about ourselves. Lord, we would have the heart that is burdened for others. Lord, when you send us, we wouldn't have to worry about what we're going to say, but we just trust that you're going to give us the words to say. Lord, we would be always ready with a testimony, with a story, with an account. Lord, we would declare truth upon the lives of our family and, 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 and over our children, our grandchildren, Lord, or, or situations that we're facing. The Lord, Scripture tells us we don't know what to pray, just to cry out for the name of Jesus, and you hear us and you respond. I pray that our words wouldn't be idle. We would think about them. We would consider the impact they have. Everything from the jokes we tell to the stories we convey Lord, may they be positive. They already are a reflection of what's on the inside, so maybe that's where we need to begin. Maybe we need to look in the mirror or listen to the things that we say or the topics that we talk about and and reflect on that for a moment before, Lord, we get to the heart of what's going on. But there's not a person in this room today that doesn't have a story of how you have worked in our lives. Maybe that's where we start. Father, thank you for your faithfulness. I pray for the ones who've struggled with hurtful words, who are struggling with hurtful words, who carry real wounds that maybe have to get past that first. Or would you just step into the, to the, to their hearts this morning? May they know that wasn't of you. God, I pray that we would hold tight to the truth that someday we're going to give an account. It'd be a much easier conversation the day we begin speaking good words. God, reset our voice for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you as you go. Would you bless someone else? Share an encouraging word. Have a great afternoon.